Danny, should we sing Looking for Your Presence? Sure, yes. There's people talking about finding the Lord, bringing the Lord to others. What number would that be, Tom? <laughs> you want the number two? It's you guys are demanding today. Two eighty-eight. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's good. You like Ernest. He's one of our favorite people. Two eighty-eight in the small So just one thing before we think we sing this song. Where do you look for the presence of God? Everywhere. In the mirror. In the mirror. But yeah, in the temple, right? Yeah. You go to the temple, and, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So that's what we're, we're singing the song for. We're looking for his presence right here. Right here in the temples of the Holy Spirit. And that's where you're going to find treasures. And that's where we find the gifts that we have received. The gifts that each one of us have. It's like the, the, remember that the story of the, the treasure hidden in the field. Yeah. That you sell everything to find that treasure. And that treasure is his presence yeah. in you. And who you are and how precious you are to him. So, yeah. Lord, change us. Yeah. There's a to look where he really is, yes. which right. is inside of ourselves and inside of one another, like we take our church with us. Yes. And we are our church when we get together. That's why two or three are gathered together. Yes. He's there. there he is. He's in, you know, so. Amen. Amen. Open our hearts to
Want to talk to us, Daniel? Yes. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to worship together. And Lord, we bless this. Let there be a, an anointing to change us. That's what we we're looking for. This has started maybe a couple weeks ago. You know, and uh, I think first I talked about... Uh, God making a new covenant with us, right? And, and removing the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh that he would write his laws and his words in our hearts. So that would require a change of heart. And then last week, we talked about how a lot of times the word that's translated for heart is also meaning, means the mind, the new mind. You know, and then Romans 12, uh, I'm going to read here, but I want to actually go to Ephesians. But I'm going to read here Romans 12. Uh, no, this is not. Yeah, this is it. It's just a different translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. So you give to God everything, right? You give everything. That's what we were talking about before. You know, you come be like Psalms 51 with honesty. You expose everything. You cry out to him. You thank him. You worship him. And you complain to him. And you tell him, hey, this was not okay. This hurt. You know, this, what happened in my life was not, why? Like Job, like, why, what are you doing? You, but you have to come, be, present your whole body, spirit, soul, and body, your thoughts, everything, right? This is truly the way we, to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And last week, Bill highlighted in you know, verse 3, which has a very important message here for us. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring up, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Right? And I'm going to stop right there. So, about two years ago, I was uh, invited to participate in this course, and which has been really hard, you know, taking classes and writing papers and reading 
many, many, many books. I, I need to count how many books I've read in these last two years, but it was amazing because, you know, it, it, that's how you change, right? You, you, you're exposed to different ways of thinking, and a lot of the things that I read were not necessarily new. They were a lot of times a confirmation, you know? But at the end of my, this classes, I'm going to have to do a project. And my project, you know, and we were talking about that Thursday, I think, is on Ephesians. You know, and it is a few verses in Ephesians. But actually, you know, it's maybe the whole book of Ephesians. Okay, because it's a message that Paul was sending to the church in Ephesus. But one thing that I, want, I wanted to highlight is in the beginning of the chapter says, verse 9, uh, verse 8, let me see. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, however, oh, verse 5, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Okay? So this is important. If you're a believer, you have a gift. Okay? And if you have the, the Holy Spirit, then you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? So we all come here and we all each have a special gift. The, the idea of having a gift is how you can bless others. The gift is not a blessing for you. The gift that God we have was given to us to the building up of one another. Okay? Oh, this is my gift. No, this is my gift to bless you, and you have a gift to bless me. Okay? Uh, so, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. And then he continues on, and we know these verses very much, and I, I, basically every paper that I wrote these last two years, I'm quoting the same verses, because it's, this is the core of my research, right? Now, these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So this word equip, and I said that before, in another verse in Mark is used when uh, Jesus is walking by the disciples, and they were fishers, right? Fishermen. And they were mending the nets. So the, the same Greek word that's to equip the saints is the word to mending the nets. You know, to put it back together, to restore relationships, to restore the persons, each person. Because each person comes broken. In the uh, medical writings, 
in the ancient Greek, the same word is used to set a bone in place. You know, so the gifts that we have, we all have, are meant to be for the restoration of each part. For each part to experience a healing and discover their gifts. And then we will continue. Is this making sense so far? So, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So the idea, a lot of times we, we you know, we've seen that, done that. You know, we look, go to church to see that preacher and that gift. You know, and then you, you end up, wow, look at that gift that that person has. Instead of you going there to be restored and to discover, like we were singing this song, you know, the, finding this treasure and the gift that God gave you and putting that to work. Okay. Then, verse 14, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed blown and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. But each part can only do its work when it's equipped. You know, if you, if you look at the end of this book, he's describing the, the full armor, right? The shield of faith, the sword. So what Paul was saying, I'm here to give you the tools that you will need to walk with God, to be, you know, a helmet of salvation. You know, so uh, to me, it's like one of my jobs is to equip the people that work with me. Boss, I need this. You know, I need this part. I need, you know, and I, I just go here. You, this is, you know, what you need. And work with him and say, hey, no, you cannot have this because I have it. Does it make sense? It's not like, oh, part of our, our call as Christians is to be stewards. What is the steward? The, the steward is that they have something in their hands. They, they're to give to others, like on, on the airplane, right? They should give you everything that they have. Let's continue here. Uh, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing in full and full of love. And I'm going to skip a little bit here. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, righteous and holy. Okay, so this is kind of the introduction. So what we're talking about is like, Lord, there is a way that I, I come and confess that my mind a lot of times is enmity, is contrary to the way you think. So how do I change that and how do I receive this? So in reading this book called uh, Anatomy of the Soul by Kurt Thompson, He's a doctor, you know, a psychiatrist, so, and, and a believer. And he's saying, one of the ways that you change is by study, you know, of the scriptures, and by being known, by telling your story and being heard. So, meaning, it is in relationships, is what Ephesians 4 is talking about. It's like, by the help of each part, speaking the truth in love, we grow up and we are changed. And he's saying, you can rewrite your story. And you can change your perspective of everything that you went through since childhood by telling your story. And he's saying, these are like spiritual principles, you know, that include the spiritual disciplines of meditation, solitude, and, and waiting on the Lord, you know. So to me, this is such a confirmation that what, what is it really waiting on the Lord? And to me, waiting on the Lord is taking a whole different aspect. In reality for me, it's not just meditating on my past failures <laughs> because that's not going to change anything. You're, you're just repeating the same thoughts, you know, and you're just... You continue to be in Romans 7 instead of going to Romans 8, where there's no condemnation. You know, you, but you, what Romans 7 is that conflict of our mind, what you want to do, you don't do. And what you don't want to do, you end up doing. What you don't want to think, you end up thinking, right? But then Romans 8 is the transition. So are you guys with me? I bless this for us because to me, I think that this is, I, I, let me tell you this story. So this book is a lot of stories. And just like the, the Brennan Manning that I shared last night, it's just a, also him telling a lot of stories. You know, because that's what I'm saying. The stories, to hear somebody's story has a power. You know, and, and Joy brought up, you know, this book last week, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, you know, that it's a lot of the same principles. You know, you have to know yourself. You have to go back to move forward. And, you know, and, but a lot of times it's hard because like we were saying, there's so many distractions. You know, I watch people, you know, today it's not enough to watch TV, right? You have to watch TV, have your computer in your lap, and then your phone. <laughs> because it's like, give me more, give me more. But 
the ability to just be with your own thoughts is hard. It's, it takes a lot of discipline to work and wait on the Lord and meditate and, and, and open those dark rooms of our minds, places that we don't want to go because it, it's painful sometimes. And I think that one way or another, we all experience that. You know, a lot of times we go through, like, you know, what this book calls the dark night of the soul. <laughs> you know, where you hit the wall and something happened in your life, you know, somebody passes. Or, you know, a, a, like, or you go through, a, like we did, as a, a, a church, we went through this change and transition. And then we, we end up having, you know, that experience of having to go deeper and allowing, you know, the Lord to show us and speak to us. And this is what this book is talking about. Like, when you, when we do not take the time to go there, we are actually not listening to God because he's using all of those things and feelings and emotions and thoughts to, like I, I read last week, you know, turn every stone, you know, because he wants to bring a complete change in the way that we think. Okay, so Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Uh, I, I read Zephaniah last Sunday, and I'm going to read again. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And then, you know, at the end, when I read that last week from this book, he said, do this exercise for six weeks. And imagine this God singing, giving a concert just for you, <laughs> singing for you. You know, imagine that you, this, you go to a, a, a he, he talks about you 2 or Bonavox, you know, giving a concert just for you, but then instead of being you 2 it's God and how he cares about you and how he loves you. And, and, and then we have to confess, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> you know, the way that I think, I, I would never imagine that, but that, that's what we were, we are reading in Psalms 139, it says, verse 15, You have watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Do you believe that? <laughs> Do you believe that God is... Yes, and, and he loves his creation, and he loved the way that he formed you, right? And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day of my life includes everything that we don't like. Everything that you think was unnecessary, 
God thought it was necessary to form you. Everything that we a lot of times despise, God saw as important because he was looking to create something new. And then he continues. Think about that. Every day of your life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I want, I want us to try to meditate on this this week. In Psalms 139. You know, and say, okay, God, I want you to change me. I want to change the way I think. So the only way to change is replacing my mind, my ways of thinking, with your ways of thinking. But I don't know how to, you think. So can we, you know, instead of praying, give us today our daily bread, say, give us today a new way to think. Give us a new way that, to see myself the way that you see me and to love myself and to love my neighbors as you love them. I, I cannot change my mind by myself. That's what, what was the... the key last week. I cannot. Because I am limiting my own mind. I need a new input. I need a new way of thinking. And one of the ways of thinking different, like we were talking, is, like, is hearing different, different ways of thought. Thoughts. You know, different thoughts. You know, and that's what, why this book that I was listening to yesterday, The Furious Longing of God, it's a completely different way of thinking about God than I had before. You know, and so like, wow, that's like, it brings some fresh air into my old locked hard brains. You know, it's like brings opening a, a, a window that hasn't been opened in decades. Yes. furious longing of God. Uh, basically, he is saying, like Bill was saying, you know, a lot of Christianity is based on what you can do, what you can have to perform, and not how, what God already did for you. You know, what he already gave you, what he has already done. And then we, we end up in this rat race of being like, oh, I have to do this. You know, it's like this, this equipping the saints for the work of service. A lot of times it's trying to put people that are broken in a place of ministry without healing them first. You know, it, instead of helping them to find the maturity and the, their own gift and who they are as a gift from God, you know, and then you, oh, now you have to get busy and busy and, and fret, and, you know, until you die. <laughs> you know, because otherwise God will stop loving you. And he said, no, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Because he loves you just the way you are, not as you should be. Because nobody is as, as they should be. You know, this is quoting 
Brennan Manning. You know, so to me is the only thing, basically what I'm saying, I think is, the only thing that really can change us is to experience the love of God. You know, so instead of, this is what I wrote here, waiting on the Lord is the practice of learning to bask in his love and be changed by it. Waiting on the Lord is asking him, give me your thoughts about me. You know, tell me how you see me. And, uh, okay, this is my, when I'm, I'm, during the week, I'm thinking about what would be important to talk about, and I, sometimes I remember to write down it. And I wrote this down. Maybe it is important. If he knew each one of us, even before we were born, and still chose to come down and die for each one of us the way we are, he's not out to condemn and judge us, but to make us conform to his image. If Psalms 139 is true, and God knew us before we were born, and he created us, and each day was in his book, so there's nothing that he doesn't know, nothing is a surprise to him. And we must accept that, and, but we can talk to him about it. You know, like Psalms 51 says, uh, but you desire honesty from the womb, from your guts, from your second brain, right? Teaching me wisdom, even there. When I, I am honest about my emotions, then you can teach me wisdom. Then you can reveal to me why you think that that was important, right? It's like, you guys want me to read a, a few quotes from this book? Well, I'm going to read anyways. <laughs> Listen to this. Again, this is Anatomy of the Soul. I suggest that many elements of our body mind matrix are means by which God is trying to get our attention. But we have not had much practice reflecting on them. Right? I mean, this guy, Brandon Manny, he tells the stories of living in a cave, not seeing people for a long time. And people just dropping off food that he, he would not even see the people dropping off just to experience this solitude and this intimacy with God. You know, I, I don't want to do that. I, I love my family. <laughs> Then he is telling the story of George. I don't remember exactly what the story was, but he said, we, like George, often don't focus on our feelings, memories, what our bodies are telling us, or the depth and meaning of our narratives. The more we pay attention to these things, what our brains are telling us, the more we are ultimately paying attention to God. Paul was not saying that God is the body, but in, the, in order for us to attend to God, we have to attend to the place where he lives. 
And that's what we were talking, looking for his presence where? In the temple, in the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our brains assist us in doing this. By paying attention to our mind-body experience, we are paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Despite the fact that you cannot turn back the clock and change the actual events of your life, you can change your experience of what you remember. And so, change your memory. As you pay more attention to this possibility, you will become aware of what Jesus is doing in real time and space to facilitate healing and renew your mind. Hmm? That's why it's, it's fun to talk to your family and see what they remember about what you went through. And you'll be amazed that you might not have got the whole picture even when you went through this stuff. And they're the only ones that experience the same thing that you've experienced. Yeah. And they can fill it in a little deeper for you. Yes. Because I have tons of stories of stuff, you know, where I felt like I failed and blah, 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 blah. But they did see it like that. They said, oh, wow, you did know. Or, or vice versa. I thought I was wonderful and they didn't do it that way either. But, but that's where you're, you, you, you have the change, the, the chance to change your perception. Because the way I remember things is not necessarily the way that they were. And that's what, that's what he, he, it started for him with an experience with his mom. You know, that his mom told him the same story over and over and over again, but he never heard it. So this is what I think is important in this one here. You can change your experience of what you remember and so change your memory. How? By telling your story. By Finding somebody that will hear it, really hear it, and, and, and not try to intervene or anything, but just understand it. You know, so a lot of times it's good to have people that have similar experiences, right? It is possible for a person's attachment pattern to change at any age, from insecure to secure or vice versa. But this will not occur without a significant influence from an outside relationship or a dramatic shift in circumstances. And the last one. Okay, this is a little longer. But scripture is many things. Not least, a lightning rod evoking and revealing the various part of us that are wounded, healed, delighted, resentful, affectionate, or sad. Our reactions to the Bible then are rooted in our stories. Right? That's why it's a book of stories. Because we can relate to And you, you see yourself in that story. Right? And then he says, perhaps you have been gently bathed, forgiven, and enlivened in the waters of its story of grace and adventure. You may breathe it in daily like oxygen, a practice first mediated by a mindful spiritual overseer, parent, or friend. On the other hand, 
Maybe you have been on the receiving end of scripture used as a bludgeon by an over-assertive parent or authoritarian church leader. If so, you may want to scream, if only under your breath, at the very mention of it, right? Given the memory explicit and implicit of the role of religion in your story, in your history. I say all of this to emphasize that the way we approach and react to God's story as it is told in the stories of the people of the Bible is itself, itself biased by our stories, right? Our experience frame the way that we read the Bible or everything else. Our brains and all that their neural networks represent in terms of memory, emotion, and attachment, and the degree to which our minds are more or less integrated. This does not mean that we only hear through those particular headphones. But our spiritual auditory system will be influenced by them. Now, with that in mind, let me encourage you to be open to the possibility that God is in the business of changing your story from poorer to richer, from harsher to gentler, from rigid to flexible, from sadder to joyful, from shameful to confident and free. And by extension, the story of those with whom you have intimate emotional contact. But in order for God's story to penetrate yours, you must do something that is not always easy for you to do. You must pay attention. <laughs> you need to be sensitive. You need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to take you to those places and those memories and those things so that he can change your perception about that. And then he can explain to you and bring the healing, bring the equipping of the saints, the mending, the setting of the bones in place, and, and the restoration of your identity, because your identity, or my identity, has been, uh, what is the name? Mared. <laughs> Tainted you know, framed by the circumstances, you know, and the good and the bad, the way, you know, you grew up in your childhood with your parents and your siblings, and then this, and then the, the church, and then your job, you know, but God is willing to bring that, everybody, to the equipping, to the mending, and to the restoration of who you really are. But that will take this paying attention. So, to close this, so I, I thought this would, would be a good one. This is from The Furious Longing of God. And then at the end of one chapter, he gives this exercise and says, consider this. Number one, ask the Father to bring to your mind one person in your life who has admin the healing touch of Jesus to you. Spend a few minutes in gratitude. You know, so think about somebody that was like 
the hands and legs and arms and heart of Jesus and God in your life, that they, at one point, they really blessed you. And then be thankful for that. Now, number two, now ask the Father to bring to your mind one person in your life who needs that same healing touch. Take some time and decide on a tangible way, on a tangible way you can return the favor. That makes it practical. Right? So, I mean, I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I won the lottery. You know, when I got married. You know, because it it is the presence of God in my life every day. A lot of times with correction, with a lot of times, hey, no, 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 that's not okay. But a lot of times we're just like, yes, this is awesome. You're doing great. You know, but it is... And we have all won the lottery in relationships, you know, and and, in things that have happened in our lives, you know, and so we bless this for us this week.